morning. Today is May the 7th, 2021, and this is Drive Time, a podcast where I'm driving either to or from work, and we talk about some stuff. So, um, I had recently stumbled back upon material that I learned when I was a younger man. <laughs> uh, I didn't go back and review it. I, I don't know what really sparked the idea in my head to go back, but uh, when I was in a first line manager. I met a man named Greg Brown. And I'll use his real name because I don't think Greg will ever listen to this podcast. But I, I, I do appreciate his work. And uh, I do appreciate um, his effort uh, with trying to get me proficient as a manager. And try to make me a better manager. He ran a team and... I felt like he was probably the mentor that I needed at the time. There were good and bad things that I learned from him, but ultimately he was a really good, a really good employee or a really good employer. Um, he was a really good boss. He had flaws. Um, I mean, this guy was a six-two, maybe six-foot white guy. Um, he was maybe four or five years older than me. You know, he ran the organization proper. And then I was uh, literally an assistant to his staff, or assistant to, to, to him. And I was part of the staff. Um, like I said, he, he wasn't somebody who you should admire. But he was somebody who taught me and educated me a lot when it comes to management. Some of the things that he did was uh, he would give us books to read. He said, you know, hey, management team, uh, I want us to become a little bit more proficient. I want us to understand and gain new concepts. So what I've done is I've ordered um, all these books, and I wanted everybody to have a copy here to read it. And um, one of the books that he gave me was, I mean, he gave me a lot of different books, and I, and I have a lot of different there was the score takes care of itself. There was um, anything from Peter Drucker's. There was uh, Pat Lincioni. And th- that's one of the books I'll talk about today. It's Pat Lincioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, <clears throat> I remember at different points of my life reading these things and, and being inspired by them. Obviously, a John C. Maxwell. Um, the first thing he ever had me read was something and it was an analytical sandwich of dryness which was called from good to great now from good to great had a lot of good and great strong concepts the flywheel concept the bus concept um, you know it had things that I still utilize in a variance of degree day after you know day after day one of the main things that I, I took from my time with Greg was the idea that I can I can do more, I can be more, and and with these books and with the mindset that I can achieve more, um, and and I felt empowered to do so. I've lost my way with that for a long time. I can't remember the last time that I felt inspired to. Um, to actively change my team in a positive way. Uh, I can't remember the last time I, I had made 
my people feel empowered in, in the way that I think they should be. I'll blame it on the organization, I'll blame it on the time, I'll blame it on the structure, but it's my fault. It's 100% my fault. Um, being the leader, being the person who makes the decisions, sometimes you make poor decisions. Sometimes you make decisions that should not be there. some ways, in certain places I've worked, um, you know, a culture that needed to be changed, and I did not have the tools, or did not have the foresight, or didn't have the staff enough to, uh, or develop this team enough, enough for us to fix it. Again, it's all on me. I'm, I'm the person in, in, in charge of the operation, so I go back to Pat Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, because recently we, we left uh, Trash Bag Tracy. Uh, she left us. And uh, Trash Bag Tracy was the negative, toxic one. But that doesn't necessarily mean that she was the problem, right? <clears throat> a lot of the times, as when, it, when it comes to group dynamics, it's, it's easy to... It's easy to identify some of the, the flaws that you have and then actively try to work on the things. I feel... Like Trash Bag Tracy was a failure because she was not giving us truthful information. You know, she would side with herself. She would she would do a lot of things that would make us believe that you know, well, she's just not interested in, in being part of the team, like being a partner with us. Other members, I think, have been guarded for a long time because that's you know that's the way they are. to, you know, not having things correct. So, I know I have a core of individuals that I work with right now that are, you know, that I have a shorthand with, that I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable with, but I'm also, I hope to be vulnerable with them in the sense that I can come back and say, listen, I was wrong about that, I was wrong about this, you know, come back and apologize and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry about sorry about doing this, I was, I was wrong, um, you know, talk, talking to some of the people, and even in the past, coming back to them and saying, hey, listen, I, I, I don't want this to be wrong, I don't want this to be di- difficult, I want this to be a good relationship, I want, you know, is there anything that you want, is there anything that you need, um, is there anything that I can start doing better, and I said, okay, take the feedback, I appreciate the feedback, I do. Um, I'll try to work on things from a standpoint of uh, X, Y, and Z. And I think that over the next coming weeks, we'll make these changes in order to, um, so you can see good faith that I'm listening to what you're saying. That kind of stuff. Um, and then we, we do that. We I think as any good, <clears throat> any good leader, any decent leader will take feedback and say, okay, what do I do with this? Most bad leaders never take the feedback. Some 
for okay bad leaders, like they're okay and they're pretty bad. They take the information, but they only move a little bit. Good leaders take information, sort it out, ask for more feedback, and then try to do something with it. Good leaders take that information, they do all the other steps, and then they actually actively try to make it better, right? They, they put large emphasis and large amounts of, of focus on making sure that the accommodation is there. Um, I'm not a person who is um, super hardcore, but at the same time, I understand that I have a standard, right? So let's talk about talk about Mary. So, Mary's a person who works in a certain segment of my business, or the business. Mary is a person who, for the better part of a year, has been managed by uh, my another member of management. It's a segmentation. So, uh, I, you know, run the operation, and then underneath me, I have different department heads or, or section leaders, and in that section that that manager uh, manages is where quote unquote Mary works. So Mary doesn't speak English very well, right? There is a language barrier. So that up front does limit her to certain amounts of things that she can, can you know, that she can contribute to, right? That she can work with and, and be with. And Mary is a great worker. Mary is a very good worker. Mary can do a lot of the task exceptionally well and way better than anybody else in the, in the department. Mary is very good. Mary has a 100% proficient rate, proficient rate on 10% of the overall responsibility of the store or the, the organization. Mary lacks skills in almost every other, uh, in every other area. She habitually claims that uh, she habitually claims that uh, certain things are not as as uh, easiest way of saying this without giving a lot of detail away, but. That she cannot operate certain equipment, she cannot do certain things um, without some kind of general assistance or without special accommodation. Everybody else in the department came without any kind of special equipment or accommodation, and said person is making things difficult because the department head has created a culture of individual only do this. And I, I don't feel that that's the right course of action. It can't be. If you have a group of uh, ten, let's make it let's make it even ten. So you have a group of ten individuals, and these ten individuals can only do one thing each. Well you have to logistically schedule these individuals in the right place on the right time. It gives very little flexibility for 
literally, you go underneath your vehicle, there's a drain plug, which keeps the oil in the engine. You release that drain plug by unscrewing it. All the oil drains out of the bottom because gravity takes over. Then you put that plug back in. You go up to the front or at the top of the engine, and then you add more oil. Generally, that's the process. There is also a filter that you need to take off and, and replace, but we're not talking about that part. We're generally talking about taking oil out of the engine and putting new that's the process of changing the oil. If I only have one guy who knows how to pour the, pour the oil and he doesn't have to do anything else, well, that's my guy. I mean, that's I, all he does is pour. If I've got a guy who only knows how to drain the oil, that's all he does is just drain the oil. If I have a guy who only knows how to work the computer and put everybody's information in, yeah, that's 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 my guy. You know, I, nobody else knows how to cross train, and it's just like. It's, it's it doesn't help the business because if guy number one who can only pour the oil in is sick, well, you know, guy who wrote up the ticket needs to be able to actively go in and help. But guy who poured, you know, who made the ticket doesn't know anything about oil changes and he refuses to learn how to put oil in a funnel that connects to the top of the engine after the oil's been drained out, right? It's like this is odd, but this is the kind of problem that you see. And it's not just in this organization, right? It's, it's everywhere. So Mary has a very specific way of saying, well, there's an age difference here. I'm an older person. And because of that, I, um, I, I feel like I'm special. Um, there's a language barrier because I can't speak a certain language here. Um, there's a language barrier and I don't have to do that. And then because I've only been here doing this, this whole time, I, I feel like this is all I do and this is all I'm required to do. The perspective of the business would be, listen, um, when you agreed to join us, you agreed to to work as a, a food, food person or a store person or a stalker or a loader or an accountant or a sales rep or commission salesperson or um, a driver, whatever, right? When you join this organization, this is what you agree to do. You know, if you're in retail, it's, it's some of the things I mentioned. If you're in sales, it's, we, you know, you're going you're gonna to create the sales pitch. You're going to say the sales pitch just like this, right? The words that you're going to use are going to be the words that we tell you to use. You're not going to go rogue and, and you know, and, and have a whole bunch of different things. You're going you're gonna to use the words we give you to sell our product, right? There's no going broke. So, it's the same thing. If, if you're in a kitchen, if you're in churches, uh, which is a, a chicken establishment here in Texas, um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna bread the chicken after you put it in the grease. You're gonna grease the chicken. You're gonna bread the chicken, and then you're gonna cook the chicken. I mean, it's that's the process. So you can't go rogue on some of these things. But you know, raising your hand and saying, "Well, I've got a barrier here, and I've got a barrier." here and I don't want to do it. There doesn't hold weight. If the guy from the chicken place says, you know, the fryer is a little too large and I burn my hands when I put the chicken in, uh, can I be excused and not have to do that? And we agree. The next person I hire can use the same excuse and I have to sit there and, and, and allow them to, to do it. I allow them to, to skip over and allow them to miss out on that or allow them to be excused from that. That's not, that's not going to be fair. That's not what we're going to do. We'll hire you know five or six people 
There's the five or six people that can use the, oh, the grease pops me in the hand and I want to do This is part of your job, do Right? When you join churches here, you wanted to to work that. Right? You wanted a job and we wanted you to work. So because we agreed that you would work for us, you gave us an availability which we would you. So it's not an, oh, I can't work those days or those times. That's not the issue. The issue is we're asking you to do a function of your job and you're not. You're not doing a function of your job. That's the rub. That is the is the opportunity, right? So that's why it's, for me, it, it doesn't make sense as, as a person who's running a business because I've been in both. I've been on the other side saying, well, you know, I need reasonable accommodations or, you know, whatever the situation is, I, I've seen that. But then, uh, you know, on the flip side, I have also seen as, as the person who primarily is in charge of a business, the, the flip side of saying, well, I really don't want to do that. Um, you know, I'm an old person, or I'm uh, really young and I don't understand, or um, you know, I wasn't quite educated, or, or that's too difficult for me. You know, well, it's gonna need to not be difficult because we hired you for this opportunity. Like this is the reason why we brought you in, right? We didn't. We bring you in because you're pretty. We bring you in because you're because you're ugly. We bring you in because you're tall or short. We brought you in because you agreed that you would do the the job, like the, 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 the requirements of the job. So it's it's I have very little sympathy for those types of individuals who want to claim ignorance or claim why well, can't do it. Now, don't get me wrong, if you have some kind of reasonable accommodation or, or accommodate, you know, if a doctor says that you know you can only be on your feet for five hours at a time. Accommodate you by scheduling you four and a half or five hours, five hours exactly, and then you can go. Right? I mean, we're accommodate, but then you're like, well, where are my hours coming from? So, I don't know. You gave me an accommodation sheet that says you won't be on your feet for five hours. I don't know what to tell you. You know? <laughs> I don't want to tell you. Um, so, I mean, like I said, generally, we could work and, and we could try to get along with stuff, but bringing it back to the five dysfunctions of a team, I started evaluating some of those processes and I, I realized that the inmates were in the asylum in this department. So I started talking to my department head. I started asking, uh, started asking about why these problems arise and, you know, I got a lot of excuses. And although some of the points that were made are valid, I can't help but feel like it's it's an excuse because you don't want to rock the status quo because you don't want to sit here and tell these individuals no. And I cannot abide by that. You know, the individuals that, that make waves don't become our favorite individuals. Those are the people that they have problems. The yes people seem to rise in this organization or in this subset. And that's not good. You want to have a team that is based on trust. You want to have a team that has conflict. You want to have a team that has accountability. You know, the lack of fear. Um, 
want that in your organization because those are the organizations that thrive. At the same time, it is what it is. <laughs> I sit here and think about it. It's like, hey, it is what it is, right? That That's a defeatist kind of uh, saying like, oh, well, can't change it. <clears throat> I use that from time to time. And I should probably eradicate it from my vocabulary. But I use it from time to time, but with only things that are after the fact. You know, oh, well, uh, she called off from work. Um, I had to adjust and I only had five people in the organization that day. Like, well, what are you going to do? What, what can you do? I was like, well, can, you know, go through all the options and try to call Karen, try to call Sam, try to call, uh, you know, uh, Mary, you know, I try to call all these people. Nobody's responding. I haven't gotten anything yet. My, my plan is to X, Y, and Z. Is there nothing else you can do? I mean, it is what it is. Right? It is what it is. It's not you know, well, hey, Jonathan wants to go on strike and uh, leave the department, and, and he's you know claiming to sue. Oh, it is what it is. I mean, but like you know, it, I mean, it works in that situation, but it just seems like a lazy defeatist attitude. So, again, it's all about context. Like George Carlin says, and I, I lean on George Carlin a lot. It's context, right? It's the context of what you're trying to say and what you mean. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I just. Uh, the, the the five resources the team will highlight probably on our next episode and, and really get a, uh, a cliff notes of, it, of what it is. But um, I guess this is intro to uh, the five dysfunctions of the team. But again, I, I look at management styles and the management style that's presented here is not necessarily what I would want in that department, that segment, business segment. I definitely, definitely want us to have more accountability to our people. We cannot be scared. You know, we've got to ask our employees to do everything that we do. So, we're trying to to get it in a way to where it works. Um, I know I handle certain things and I like to handle certain things, but... Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Sorry about that. So, yeah, um, actually, this has been Drive Time. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, I, like I said, we'll dive into the five dysfunctions of a team, break down uh, an explanation of what it is, um, and then just how, how working with and analyzing your team can really help production and morale. Um, I think the story of the five dysfunctions team is actually a really good point. But then the business breakdown after, I think it's about a hundred page novel. It's, it's a short story. Essentially it's a fictional business story about, um, about, you know, a guy who comes in and there's a leader who's taking over and how can she, uh, get her team whipped into shape and, I really hate. Take it to the next level. Ugh. Ugh. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I know I was supposed to end the podcast already, but 
I just want to rant real quick about taking it to the next level. I hear this on everything. I hear it on YouTube ads. I hear it in, 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 in sitcoms. I hear it on, um, you know, commercials. There's, there's, you know, it's a sports cliche. Oh, what are we going to do to take it to the next level? I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? I mean, like, how, how can we be more productive? How can we produce more? How can we be more efficient? Like, what are you actually asking? Oh, the take it to the next level. Oh, but take it to the next level. Oh, yeah, so we can go to the next level. Oh, yeah, man. So it's like, what the fuck do you mean? What is the next? What does that look like? How's that tangible? What is it? What, what Take it to the next. What is it? You know? What, what's the next level look like? I mean, are you, is this a game to you? Because it seems like it's a video game. Because every time I've ever played a video game, there's levels, right? You know, level one, level two, level three, level four. You know, I think of Duke Nukem Zero Hour, where there's like 22 levels, plus the secret level. Two secret levels, technically. Um, eight and three. But um, after three, technically. Yeah, in between. In between three and four. Is a secret level. Any, anyway, anyway, what world? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm taking it to the next level. It's like, what? I mean, are you trying to up productive productivity? Are you trying to, um, you know, uh, you're trying to be more efficient? Like, what, what does this mean? Because it's so vague, and it's it's again, it's, it is what it is. It's a, it's a cliche again of of things that are non-descriptive and. Anyway, I, I fucking hate it, so, you know, grind my gears a little bit and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take this organization to the next level, and I'm like, mean, like, you use descriptive words, be more descriptive, anyway, 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 so, uh, yeah, we kind of went on a semi-rant there, apologize for that, but, you know, it's just, it needed to be said, <laughs> it needed to be said, um, and I, I mean, it d- doesn't disqualify you. Because you like something doesn't mean, or because you don't like something, doesn't disqualify you from using it or doing it. It's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. <laughs> anyway, um, things will never be the same. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, this is been drive time. I appreciate everybody listening. I think I really will end the podcast this time. Uh, we will catch you down the road and probably the next episode will be a breakdown of Pat, Pat Lincioni's um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team uh, Spark Notes Edition and uh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank y'all so much for listening and we'll catch you down the road.